0: Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and today, more than ever before, companies, brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to uplevel your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So, please join us. It's not very often that I invite an angel. For a conversation, but we have a very special not-for-profit joining us called Vitamin Angels. They're an organization that aims to break the cycle of undernutrition by focusing on nutritionally vulnerable populations of young children and pregnant women. Today, we'll learn about a very sophisticated and very mission-driven not-for-profit, Vitamin Angels. We'll talk to their founder, Howard Schiffer, and his associate director of sustainability, Chris Mortonella, And we will find out about how they have delivered hundreds of millions of vitamins to vulnerable populations in the United States and around the world. Research has shown If children receive optimal health and nutrition for the first thousand days, they often experience a trajectory of steady growth and development. Yet unfortunately, millions of children around the world experience socioeconomic inequities that can create significant gaps in their health and nutrition during this critical window in their lives. Vitamin angels, so appropriately named, is a global public health nutrition organization that promotes health and economic equity across the lifespan by ensuring nutritionally vulnerable, underserved young children and pregnant women have access to evidence-based nutrition interventions. So let's begin our conversation with Howard and Chris. Welcome.
1: Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Oh, it's what's it's our pleasure. So um, when we were just talking a little bit before we started, um, you talked about the evolution of how you see the field of purpose that it's no longer about just transactional cause marketing, that that it's a lot more than that. So let's just talk at a high level. How do you see the the definition of purpose? And as well, I'd love to know a little bit more about your background.
2: Our fundraising model has always been a cause marketing model that has now evolved with Chris's help into um, corporate social responsibility, ESG, um, hitting the sustainable development goals, And what we've seen is that we used to only measure in terms of reach. In 2005, we were reaching 2 million women and children a year. Last year, we reached over 60 million women and children a year. But what has happened in the interim is that people now want to know, but what impact are you having? What difference are you making? And so our metrics and our measurements have had to continue to evolve. Um, as the nature of the marketplace
1: has changed. So echoing kind of what Howard said, what was a really big game changer for me as far as looking at the corporate partner landscape was kind of this role of institutional investors and their interest in ESG. So all of a sudden, we weren't just, you know, wanting to communicate to the consumers of our corporate partners, Now all of a sudden we had these other stakeholders with a lot of different goals. So you had you know these guys like BlackRock, you had their vendor and supplier audiences, and then you have you know you started seeing that corporations started having um, sustainability councils that were third party and also their employees, and they each wanted something different, purpose, and it was amazing for us because we got to, to to speak to things. You know, to Howard's point, not just reach, but impact. What are we doing with advocacy, with behavioral change, with implementation research? And we were able to really make the partnership a lot stronger by showing our partners, yeah, we can definitely speak to all of these audiences. So that was, I think, a big game changer for us in the last you know, few years and moving forward.
0: Well, certainly, Howard, it was a wise decision to hire Chris. So yeah, let's pause and let's go back to a little bit of your history, Howard. Um, yes. you a little bit. What did you do before Vitamin Angels? And then what was that epiphany? What was that moment of sheer genius where you said, I've got to do more? The
2: long term trajectory was in my early 20s, I was a lay midwife. I was part of the home birth movement. And I really got to understand the importance of prenatal nutrition. Um, a lot of the women we were seeing were vegans and vegetarians. So that kind of embedded in me just this real understanding of just how essential basic nutrition was. When I realized I don't want to be up 24 hours a day, seven days a week on call, <laughs> right. I took the research I've been doing and got into the natural products, and vitamin industry, which was still in its infancy at that time. I mean, there was not a Whole Foods that was around
0: the country. And But you knew the. I bet you knew bread and circus. (laughs) It was bread and circus, circus, right? Yep. Right. Exactly.
2: Regional chains. Mm -hmm. And I got my grounding in that industry and really started to learn about marketing and about promotion and sales and creating products. After 14 years, it wasn't enough. It was just it was a business, and it was just it was not um, something that was just really filling me up anymore a couple of things happened. One is I, I heard this quote um, from Mark Twain um, that said that the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you figure out why. And I thought, okay, that's, that's important. And I think figuring out why I think is purpose. Um, the other one was that a friend of mine, Gigi Coyle, told me about a writing class she had taken and the prompt the night before was to write your own obituary. And I remember waking up the next day and thinking about that and, uh, and just seeing a tombstone in front of me It said, He sold a lot of products. <laughs> oh, That's God. All right. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> That's it. I just, I've got to do something different. And I, I feel like I was led to Vitamin Angels, that every part of my life. Led me to think. Oh, wait! I could do this. I could, and then there was an earthquake in Southern California, and that was the opening of a, a relief agency. Called up the Vitamin Company, I worked at. They needed vitamins for the uh, the children uh, that they were reaching, and I helped get them vitamins. And that was the
0: catalyst. And that was the Northridge. That was that horrible earthquake. That was
2: 1994, the Northridge earthquake, and the group that called was a medical relief group, and I, Initially, I thought, well, they're handing out sutures and bandages and antibiotics. Of course, they need vitamins. But what I came to realize was that everybody in this field, whether they were building houses or sending kids to school, everybody realized that nutrition was the foundation and that without good nutrition, you could build all the schools you want, but the kids would not be able to learn. And uh, nobody had a consistent and a reliable supply of vitamins. And all of a sudden, I thought, well, we can can do that. And then then somebody told me about vitamin A, that two doses a year could stop childhood blindness. And that was like, what? You know, I I just, I couldn't believe that.
0: How did you create the name Vitamin Angels?
2: What I didn't realize, I mean, having been in the industry for 14 years, I, and I was taking a handful of vitamins every day. My thought was that vitamins help you perform at your peak level. Or get sick less often, or if you get sick, you'll get over it more quickly. When I started getting into this work and started meeting people like Al Summers, who had discovered um, vitamin A could prevent childhood blindness, and started reading more and more and more, I realized that vitamins actually were one of the most successful public health interventions in the past 50 years. That vitamin A alone has saved tens of millions of children's lives. And that was an epiphany. That was Something that I had been involved in, but I thought I never thought of it as a centerpiece of global health. And I think it's probably one of our biggest obstacles sometimes is that we say we're vitamin angels and people think, well,
0: how important is that? Well, it's the difference between life and death often. So it's critical. Talk about the geography and and where you serve, and we'll ultimately get to your partnership model, which is extraordinary. But, you know, people would say, oh, vitamins, oh, we're all set in the developed world. But you're doing, my understanding is the developed and the developing world. So talk a little, a little bit about how you pick countries, how do you pick need, you know, how you began to structure this not-for-profit, because you weren't a not-for-profit guy. You were a commercial guy. And then you, you started, you had this incredible, you know, epiphany moment, and then you're radically changing to something that's, that's deep into your soul. I, I was a clueless guy. I mean, I often tell people,
2: <laughs> okay. and I say, that, you know, that what you don't know can be your greatest ally. Okay. Because if I had known all that I needed to know to be successful, I would have thought, well, I just can't do it. But you know, obviously, I just kept following things forward, and, and luckily, attracting really talented people like Chris and uh, the people from Hopkins that are working in our program division. Um, that really did know, you know, how to how to execute this program. Um, but the way we pick out countries is uh, wherever there's a need, um, and wherever the need is not being filled through the primary healthcare system. We're interested. Um, if you look at a map, I mean, it's it's actually all over the United States. There are food deserts. Um, and obviously, I think COVID has highlighted that communities that are marginalized or people, people of color, um, are the ones who are hit hardest in any kind of natural disaster or epidemic or uh, civil strife, that they're the ones who are the most vulnerable. Um, so we look at the UNICEF the UN data, world's health data, and find the countries that have the highest rates of malnutrition, highest rates of vitamin A deficiency, highest rates of infant and maternal mortality, highest rates of stunting, which is they're too small for their age, or wasting, too thin for their age. All of those are indicators that there's an underlying chronic, long-term, often generational Problem. And uh, it manifests um, in a very simple way is that kids and women, when they're pregnant, you know, can die. I mean, childbirth can be a life threatening event, and, and children under the age of five will die from something like an infection or diarrhea or a common cold. And it's because their immune systems are just so weak, which is, of course, one of the reasons vitamin A is so effective, is because it helps build the immune system.
0: You also have a big emphasis on deworming. So can you explain why that is important? Deworming, what um,
2: a lot of organizations have found out is that wherever there's poverty, chronic malnutrition, undernutrition, uh, communities that are marginalized, hygiene and sanitation are often compromised. Um, And people will use the outdoors or a field to go to the bathroom, there won't be hand-washing facilities. And parasites, um, which can live in the soil, can easily get up into a child's body through their feet or through their hands. And when kids play in the dirt and they put their hands in their mouths, um, these tiny parasites um, that are really hard to see can get up, can go in, they lodge in the intestines, and a parasite um, can eat um, up to 30% of what the child takes in. So even if the child is eating, which oftentimes they're not, but even if they are, the parasite will take 30% of the nutrition and parasites happen to love things like vitamin A. Oh, so
0: interesting. without
2: without antiparasitics deworming, you essentially take one step forward, three steps back. So they happen to combine very well with the vitamin A program because each of them is a 6 month regimen so every twice a year you give the child deworming you also give them uh the vitamin A and you at least can make some progress
0: so what is the total number of children and mothers that you have impacted since you started i i, I haven't counted <laughs> i
2: mean it's um last year
0: it's it was billions
2: isn't it? it it's 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 a lot i mean it's hundreds of millions and it's uh it's in, you know, 70 countries all over the US and Canada, the UK. So, um, it's significant. I mean, it, we're, we're having a big impact. I think, um, what we're seeing is that governments can sometimes reach, and this is optimistic, up to 70% of the need in a country, but that remaining 30% are usually most vulnerable. Um, And that's, you know, the people who are the poorest, the people who are living at the border regions, people who are not part of the primary health care system, whose kids maybe don't have access to medical help or go to school. That's where we want to reach. And it's more difficult to reach them because they're not always uh, located in major cities and they're they're harder to get to. um, And there isn't a mechanism already in place like a health fair that a government might have a couple of times a year in regions, it probably doesn't exist for this population. And so that's where we want to be. we want to find the local partners that can help us reach that, that, that know the language, that know the people, that know the customs, that have relationships, that oftentimes grew up in these villages, that they can help us reach
0: those communities so we can get to the people most in need. So, Chris, why, you know, I, I don't know who found who. Did Howard find you? Did you find <laughs> Howard? But obviously, once you started diving into the story, it, it must have touched you deeply. So can you talk about, you know, why did you join the organization? And, um, you know, Howard's very humble about the breath and, and the structure. And so how did you two get along to look into the future and say, We need to be more sophisticated in terms of this isn't just cause marketing. This is something that is having profound impacts in economies and futures and dreams. So first, why did you join? What did you see in the organization? And then how did the two of you get in sync to really evolve to the high level of sophistication you have today?
1: My backstory is not as interesting as Howard's, but I will say that from a very young age, I'm... um, I'm a child of immigrant parents, right? So my father would have been one of our beneficiaries. It was textbook. He had siblings that did not make it um, past the first year of life due to what we think was undernutrition, all of these conditions that we're seeing. So from a very young age, I was very aware of that. And I always wanted to work you know, for something you know, like the UN or one of these organizations that would address these, these issues. So my schooling and my academia was very grounded in international development, uh, globalization studies. And then I actually, after grad school, I got a, um, I got an internship at the UN, I went moved to Geneva, the whole thing. It was not for me. It was, it was, I, I realized I needed something a little bit more on the ground, a little more hands-on. Um, and that's kind of by chance when I found Vitamin Angels, and I, w- you know, I looked at their mission, and it just it was so focused to me, and it really made sense. And on just from an intellectual and from a, a challenge perspective for me was I've always looked at the private sector and seen how powerful it was, you know, for good and for bad, and I've always wanted to come up with solutions on how do we harness that immense power of the private sector to solve some of these problems. And and I think, you know, Vitamin Angels has been instrumental in supporting me through that. Even in the infancy, we've been kind of working on our sustainability platform for the past three or four years. And they've really allowed me to grow and to explore that area and to come up with, you know, solutions and to talk with, you know, the private sector on like, how do we, how do we really push this forward? And, and it's, and it's just so, it's very satisfying for me that I can, I can kind of go to a partner who I know is committed to helping moms and children, wherever they may be, you know, out of kind of the goodness of their humanity, but also be able to take that out and say, let's move that to the side. And I can give you 10 really strong business reasons why this makes sense, right? And again, when you have all these new players coming in, you have the SDGs that provide this universal framework. You know, if you're talking to a long-term institutional investor that is managing pension funds, you know, 30, 40 years into the future, and they're investing in emerging markets, and you can relate to them what impact getting nutrition to children under five does to the national GDP... All of a sudden, their ears perk up because then that makes sense.
0: Let's take a break and talk about the numbers. You always know that in my show, I like to give numbers, and here are some of the numbers from Vitamin Angels. In 2020, they will reach nearly 70 million nutritionally vulnerable pregnant women and children in over 70 countries around the globe. And how the organization ensures such a widespread access on a global scale is what makes the group so unique. Another number. They draw on active partnerships with over 2,500 NGOs, and government and entities globally. Their model is scalable and adaptable distribution that leverages the infrastructure and expertise of local stakeholders who effectively implement its nutrition interventions. Through this model, Vitamin Angels is able to provide healthcare professionals and community healthcare workers around the world with the opportunity to expand their repertoire of health services to include the... Vitally important, vitamin A, as well as deworming medications, as well as other vitamins that provide supplementary nutrition and feeding. Let's talk about partnerships, because you have a fascinating model. You have um, partners. And it seems like they're far more than just funders. Um, and I think that uh, the Walgreen Boots Alliance is one. It's, it's a great, you have many, but that's one. I, I believe they're your largest. And um, everybody knows Walgreens. They don't know Boots as, as much. But can you talk about how it came about? What is their role? And, it's, and you've had that partnership since 2013. So how do you keep it fresh? Because probably there's changes in management. So that you've got, you know, you don't just have one champion, which is not a good idea when, you know, you've got such a large partner.
2: What I realized early on was that they were, they were all in. I mean, they were serious and it wasn't the the marketing piece of it was one piece, but they really cared. And it was not just the executive team, but we started doing engagement programs for the, uh, for the team members, for the employees in their tens of thousands around the world. We did one where it was called Message in a Bottle, where we had this bottle-shaped card, and we had stories from different children, some in the U.S., some around the world, that we sent one to each store, 8,000 stores. (laughs) And each store got a child that they got to, and they got to write cards to those children. Well, and we said, you know, Write a card, and we will. When we go into the field, we'll distribute them. We got like twenty thousand cards. I mean, it was we had stacks in the offices, and the card. It wasn't just like get well. It was like these, you know, beautiful drawings and long messages about. There was such sincerity about how much these people cared for the kids that it was just it really, it hit me. I mean, it was uh, this this, one of our biggest donors. Kirk Humanitarian that donates a lot of prenatals to us, was going on a trip when he first started working with us to Haiti. They were going on a mission trip. They had to get passport photos. So they went into their Walgreens outside of Salt Lake City to get passport photos. And the woman behind the counter said, oh, this is, you know, where are you where are you going? And he said, we're going to Haiti. And she said, oh, you're going on vacation. That's going to be so much fun. And Spencer said, no, no, we're going to... Uh, help children out, women and children. We're doing a mission trip, and she said, "Wait a second. She runs to the back, grabs that big photo of the child that her store has received, and says, "You have to look at this. Look, we're helping this child, and we're really, and this company really is making a difference, and we're really helping." This, I mean, it was so deep. That's what I saw. I mean, and that's, I mean, I think that's, and it was the same thing with Smarty Pants. Is that where we've had our biggest success is where all levels within an organization really are allowed to see what we're doing and get it and really get engaged. And boy, it, it, the impact is just tremendous.
0: So let me f- flip over to, to you, Chris, which is that as you are looking at basically a ecosystem of engagement and uh, specifically against objectives, um, if I can ask, uh, the Walgreens relationship is going great. You're coming in, but you probably said, mm, "Maybe I can even enhance it a little bit more." So, can you talk a little bit about that without telling too many secrets?
1: Sure, and 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 really credit to their team because you know the Walgreens, um, you know CSR CSR side, they really latched on to the SDGs right away, and that's a huge help for us because right away that signals that look, they're speaking our language. And it really allows a lot more flexibility as far as our programs and you know, how we're impacting women and children around the world. And again, it, it helps them communicate to a larger audience. And it's really... It, it's going to sound like a broken record here, but it's really being able to speak to all of their different audiences, to their vendors, to their employees that Howard talked about. You know, The investors are always asking for more data. Every year, you see... Look at the corporations, their sustainability reports are getting larger and larger with more, with more reporting frameworks, right? But at the same time, it allows us to communicate more of what we're doing outside of just the reach because there's a lot there, right? And even this past year, I think one thing that was really great about highlighting our work and being able to get, um, kind of a larger communication platform was why some of, some of these areas that we're working um, experience undernutrition. And you can see that, you know, there's lots of places like, you know, my background right now is of, is of uh, Lake Atulana in Guatemala. That is a population of indigenous Mayans and they have experienced horrible discrimination. And it really goes to show that discrimination and racism have real world impacts, especially on, on, nutrition. And we're able to tell that story now in, 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 in much more impactful way.
0: So I want to touch upon storytelling Yeah, because when we are working and creating partnerships between our corporate clients or brands and not for profits, everybody, yes, the numbers we've touched this many impacted, but we want that story. And so what insights can you give? Because how many employees are at Vitamin Angels? You don't have like thousands. You have how many? No, no,
2: no. They're, I think right now with the new hires, we're going to be at um, 48, I think, uh, domestically. And then another
0: 25 um, internationally. So so in the high 70s. Okay. But so you have enough, but you're not overwhelming in terms of numbers. No, no. We're, so,
2: we're, relatively,
0: we're small. You're small and you're mighty. So how do you mine for those stories? That's my first question. And the second question is, you have other partners. You have Smarty Pants, you have Vitamin Shop, you have Walgreens and others. So you've got to give different stories to different ones. And so this is like a cosmic conundrum for not-for-profits and their partners. And so any insights that you can share about how you find them. Do you photograph them? Do you write them? I love the story about the, the picture of one child going to a store. But any insights would be greatly appreciated by our listeners.
2: It's never one size fits all for Vitamin Angels. I think that's really been our success is that when we get into a corporate partnership, the first thing we do is not to show them, you know, this is what we have. You can choose one from column A and one from column B, is we listen. And we listen a lot. We really try to hear, what are your goals? What are your objectives? What are the challenges you're facing right now? What does the competition look like? You know, where do you want to be in the next year, in the next three years, the next five years? And really try to zero in on what their key, you know, metrics, their parameters are that are going to really start to move the dial. Um, And then start to craft the program. And I think our one of the things that's nice about being uh, a small organization is that we're nimble, is that we're, we don't have a lot of layers of bureaucracy. We can move really quickly. We're very responsive. Um, and so we can get things done. And we have a small enough group that we can work effectively between the development folks that are interfacing with the corporate partner, the programs team that are doing the work, and then the marketing group that are collecting the content, and that every every partner is gonna need not only different stories, but different mediums to get stories out. And so is it gonna be signage? Is it gonna be a employee engagement program? Um, Is it gonna be videos from the field? Is it gonna be bringing some of their key people into the field or (laughs) doing virtual trips to the field for their entire team? Every partnership um, looks really different. And I think the, effectiveness of the the stories are moving because they're real and they're alive everybody at vitamin angels whether you're in corporate services IT marketing programs develop wherever you are everybody goes out into the field every single person and that i don't know of any other organization that does that but what happens is that the work is really alive i mean that when people talk they will, re- they've met the women and children they know, and they, they have their own story, like Chris told about his story, to share that they understand how critical this is. Um, Marina, who did, um, a lot of storytelling with our domestic program, um, in the last year, she went to these, uh, different pregnancy resource centers, um, and she was talking to the women who ran those, and she, at the end of it, she was just in tears, and she told a woman that her parents were were people that got this type of program. I mean that that's how she's able to be healthy today and so it's it's very much alive, and I think our success has been uh being able to transfer that emotionality to our partners and very that they know it's authentic and they know it's real and Chris, I'm sure will want to add others details to that.
1: Kind of building on what Howard said and going back to audiences, I also think, you know, because we work in so many different places, we work in 70, you know, countries, over 70 countries around the world, and we're also doing things outside of just giving our interventions, is some partners want to know what we're doing on the policy change and advocacy side. That's a very different story. What are we doing with academia to understand behavior? um, And what can we do as far as behavior research to understand why are these um, communities experiencing undernutrition. You know, th- those two are very different stories than an individual story of a mother and a child. And, and I will say, uh, to credit our, you know, our marketing team and just our organization, is one of the first things that I experienced when I joined Vitamin Angels was we actually created a document called um, the, per- the Protecting Beneficiaries Rights Document. So whenever we we take stories or you know go into these communities to to learn about you know, any individuals, we have a we have a very strict code as far as protecting these people and making sure you know that 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 comes first because a lot of them are from vulnerable populations and our partners have been really great and receptive to that as well. So I, I just wanted to mention that as far as you know that you know these are real people. And there's real, you know, consequences to telling their stories. And most of them are, are, are very happy to, to, share, to, to share with us, you know, and, and um, Howard has a great line where he says, your guys' stories help make sure that we can not just keep uh, providing help to you, but to other women and children like you around the world.
0: And I think that, Howard, you touch on a really critical point that we see in not-for-profits, which is that. You talked about marketing and then programmatic, and then you talked about um, the third area, which I'm totally blanking out on, which is the third area, development, fundraising, of course, development, we got to get those funds, um, all working together. Yes, And when we see a well-functioning public-private partnerships working together, getting great impacts, it's because they've worked together versus being in silos. And so kudos to you for having the intuition to do that right. And then this whole idea of, I think, that Chris's point of view of being sophisticated. and, And you said, you've said this many times, we listen. We find out what are their goals, you know, who do they want to impact? Um, how do they want to move forward? And listening is so critical. So that you, so we always talk about goals, your goals, our goals, and shared goals. And so you're doing things extraordinarily well. And so congratulations. Let's talk about your service model, which is that you have, I believe, over, is it two? 2,500 2, yeah. partners now. And so to get your vitamins, right? And educational information and such, nutritional information to that ground level, to that one-to-one person. So how do you pick these partners? And um, they're they're all over the world. So, so let's talk about some insights to your distribution model.
2: After you do something, people go, oh, that was genius. That was so smart. But At the time, it was honestly just we were we didn't have any money, and so we couldn't build international. Now we have teams in a lot of our priority countries, but initially we didn't, and we had to find partners that were aligned with us and what our values were, um, that had a presence in the country that had their own infrastructure, so that we didn't we couldn't support them. And what we said was, look, you know, we'll identify the need. We know there's a need for nutrition. We'll give you the technical support. We'll give you the training. Um, We'll help oversee the program. And and, uh, all we need you to do, not all, but we'll ship to the port of entry. You need to pick it up, clear customs, warehouse it. We'll give you guidelines for warehousing. And then you need to be in the villages doing the distributions. And what that did uh, was that there's two key things when you're doing this work that you're always up against. One is, is the program scalable and is it sustainable? And and that model happened to be a very scalable program because it was easy just then word spread. Initially, we were looking for partners and, you know, and getting our word out on the internet. Now we have partners coming to us every week from all over the world saying, you know, and then word spreads very quickly. Um, in these countries that people see, oh, you know, where'd you get those? You know, you're doing nutrition programs. So it it allowed us to scale. And then because uh, a lot of the costs were being borne by the in-country partner, it was very sustainable. It wasn't just us having to pay all these additional salaries and transportation costs and distribution costs. We had a partner that was bearing a lot of that weight. So that was those were the two factors, and I think um, fortunately, as I mentioned earlier on, everybody that's in this work, whether you're building schools or digging wells or, uh, or helping to build homes for people, everybody realizes, or even you know doing medical uh, work, everybody realizes that nutrition is key, that you've gotta, that even if you're giving out antiretroviral drugs, if you do not have a nutrition program. They're not going to be as effective.
0: Let's take a break and find out what else is happening besides this podcast that you may want to know about. Goldman Sachs has launched a new initiative called One Million Black Women. This builds on the company's decades-long commitments to their 10,000 women's initiatives overseas, their 10,000 small businesses in the United States, and now this significant initiative that will commit $10 billion in direct investment capital and $100 million in philanthropic support to address the dual disproportionate gender and racial biases that Black women have faced for generations, which have only been exacerbated by the pandemic. One million Black women will comprise investments focused on key moments in Black women's lives, from early childhood to retirement. These investment areas include healthcare, education, housing, and small businesses, all aimed at narrowing the opportunity gaps And positively impacting the lives of at least one million Black women. For further information, please go to Goldman Sachs.comslash our commitments. Now let's return to our conversation with Howard and Chris about vitamin angels. Well, let let's shift a little bit to, to COVID, because COVID, um, it, it's unfortunately, it has t- touched everyone around the globe. Um, it certainly has um, impacted. Um, you can't have face-to-face volunteering, virtual volunteering and such. It's probably impacted your distribution system. So um, what were the challenges for you? And I'm sure you came up with, uh, since you're very adept that you were very nimble to get around it.
2: We were lucky in that our supply chains were not that disrupted. Uh, what was hard with COVID was that our communities were hit really hard and our, and are our continuing to bit, be uh, hit really hard. I was talking to uh, Dr. Mulama Diese in Democratic Republic of Congo a few weeks ago. And um, I asked if, if, there was any light on the horizon as far as getting vaccines into DRC. And he looked at me and he said, Howard, he said, right now, they're saying at the earliest, it will be July. And I said, uh, he said, Howard, it's probably not going to be until 22, 23, or 24, really, to get the country. He said, in July, he said, the number of vaccines that are ordered right now for a country of 90 million people is 50,000. So we know this is gonna be a continuing problem. We know that our communities are impacted. We've had to obviously pivot as far as working around lockdowns, seeing who could distribute, who could not distribute, um, getting information out on best practices, on how to make sure that our people were being protected and that we were protecting the beneficiaries. So there was a lot of e-learning, a lot of training that went on to make sure that when we can and when we could do distributions, they were done effectively. In that we're not adding to the problem. In fact, we're we're helping the problem right now.
0: And Chris, did you did any of your areas um, evolve because of COVID? Uh,
1: I think Howard pretty much covered most of it. But but I will say one thing I've heard anecdotally as far as the impact was that a lot of the women, and this is this is from a, a pregnancy clinic in the U.S., was one of the field partners related that. You know, at a lot of these pregnancy centers, these women don't have a lot of support. And going to the pregnancy center physically was kind of one of the biggest kind of emotional areas of support for them. So that that has been an impact. And and luckily, I think because of our partnership models, all of our partners have really stepped up. And nobody and correct me if I'm wrong, Howard, nobody has said, look, you know, this is this is a tough time. We're gonna we're gonna You know, we can't provide the support that you need. I think everyone has either maintained or has increased.
2: Yeah, no, the the support has been amazing. And the need has actually increased in multiple ways because not only were food chains disrupted, which, of course, has a big impact, but people's um, economic well-being. I mean, jobs were lost, salaries were cut, and so people were having to make less nutritious food buying decisions, Um, and then countries that had health programs like like vaccines for measles, as an example, were either disrupted or canceled. Anytime there's a cancellation in in measles vaccines um, and the coverage goes below 90%, one of the recommendations is to increase coverage of vitamin A, again, because vitamin A helps build immunity. So all of a sudden in addition to our partners saying we need more product we were getting state governments saying we need help and again you know we have an advantage because most of our funding because it comes from the private sector it's not restricted most other charities many will have like 90% or 91% of their funding be restricted meaning that where that funding goes how it's used is very clearly defined. Vitamin Angels has this very unique advantage in that our program division can say, look, there's a major outbreak here. We've got to get more vitamin A. We could just make the decision, again, without a lot of bureaucracy, to get that product where it's needed very, very quickly. And so with COVID, fortunately, we were able to do that and really start to have an impact in those areas um, that were really getting hit. And then we were able to put more resources into our own country to say, look, we need to increase the reach for communities that have been marginalized. And so we're able to identify people in some major areas to help us get out into the communities
0: to say, who can help us reach these people? Um, what, what do consumers think of vitamin angels?
1: From everything I've heard, um, they, they love it. I mean, it's, it's less vitamin angels, and I think it's almost more... Because our main audience is reaching them through our corporate partners, it's it's uh, great for consumers to see that our partners are putting their money where their mouth is and really putting purpose first. And we've seen that work out really well, not just for on the consumer end, but also you know we've had companies get bought out by larger corporations and have said you know your purpose has really shine through, and we know that it resonates. With your consumer audience, based on you know reviews on Amazon, for example, you can go on Smarty Pants's Amazon page and look what people are saying. Um, And you know, Smarty Pants has done an amazing job of building their partnership with Vitamin Angels, kind of in from day one. You know, when they started the company, they said, "I want purpose to be part of this," and that that has really gone through. And they said, I mean, they said for every time you
2: buy. Smarty Pants Vitamins, you're going to help a child or you going to help a woman. Well, for a pregnant woman, if she knows that her getting her vitamins is also going to be helping a woman or a child in the US or around the world, that resonates. I mean, that has an impact on people. We've seen it time and time again when people you know, move around to different corporations and inevitably they'll take Vitamin Angel's program to their new business and say, we've got to be doing this. We've got to be, we've got to be you know, reaching our people with something more than just a product. We have to be telling more of a story about who we are and what we care about. And, you know, besides the connection with humanity, which is, of course, important, Vitamin Angels is a proof positive that vitamins work. I mean, that vitamins are essential and that they're critical. And I think a lot of times in our own country, People think of vitamins as a nice to have or, okay, maybe it'll help, but getting to say that vitamins save lives, that, that if you give a woman a multiple prenatal, a woman who's anemic, at six months, it could lower mortality rate by up to 29%. That gets people's attention. Like, wow. I mean, and that's all it takes? Yeah, that's all it takes.
0: And it sounds like, Chris, as you said that, and Howard, that you said that you went from reach to impact. And so saving those lives, that's one um, indicator. What are some of the other impact um, numbers, either, you know, or qualitative um, measures that you can share, that you share with your partners?
2: Well, with with vitamin A, I mean, the the research has been done by Al Summers and um, Hopkins is that vitamin A... Um, again, two doses a year um, can lower mortality rates for children under five by 24%. And, and again, our cost on that for the vitamin A, the deworming that you mentioned, uh, the uh, distribution, the transportation, the whole thing, it is a to Z, 25 cents. So that's a big, that's impact
0: a big yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a low terrific. cost. But yeah, the multiple
2: sure. prenatal, mm-hmm. our cost is about $5 to reach a woman. Now, think about. How much food you'd have to provide a woman, um, you know, for a pregnancy, but getting that bottle of multiple prenatals, which you could put in a fanny pack and take anywhere in the world, is that, that product. Again, for women who are anemic, 29% reduction um, in infant mortality at six months, 12% reduction um, in uh, uh, small for gestational age babies, or uh, 10% reduction in um Uh, low birth weight babies, those are indicators of how healthy a baby is going to be and even if a baby is going to survive, and a 9% decrease in stillborn births. And again, when you look at these numbers, and, you know, Chris mentioned about the economic impact that's been studied. I mean, people will say it's a 17 times return, you know, for vitamins. And it's, I mean, all the, there's probably been more research done on some of these nutrition interventions than almost any other intervention, I mean, there's tremendous body of work shows that get these vitamins to the right person. I mean, in uh, the 2004, 8 and 12, the Copenhagen consensus was convened by the World Bank. Their job these are economists. So their job is tell governments where they should put their money so they can have the greatest impact, right? If you're facing AIDS, malaria, TB, where do you start? Every time they came up with a list of 30
0: recommendations, number one on the list every time, vitamins. That's great. That's great. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, and we're unfortunately getting to the bottom of the show, but I always like to give you the last word, but I want to ask a question for, for our listeners so, Howard, you're going to get two, and Chris, you get two. What are two of the most important takeaways for a listener? Now, a listener can be a corporate, or the listener can be a not-for-profit. So, I'll let you decide what you want to, those pearls of wisdom. You've given a lot, obviously, during this conversation. But what are two of the most important, Howard, and then two of the most important, Chris? And then I'm going to let you have your last word.
2: Uh, Mine, I would say, you know, life is short. Life is short and we don't have that many opportunities to really make a difference. And I think this is one of those opportunities that doesn't take a lot and it has a big impact. And I think our, you know, whatever else we're doing, whatever else purpose is about, um, in my mind, it's about serving and about, about reaching other human beings in the world. And I, I think we happen to have landed on something that's pretty simple. I mean, There are no moving parts in the vitamin, you know. It's low technology at its best, but that has a gigantic impact. Everything, I mean, that's what I see is I go into these villages, these women, and I'll ask them to testify, and they'll get up and they'll say, you would look at me, you know, before my last pregnancy, I couldn't get up off the bed. I was sleeping all. I was tired. I couldn't even help my family. Now I'm strong. I mean, it, it makes such a gigantic, and it's like that difference. Is
0: hope that difference is hope. I I love it. Okay, Chris.
1: I'll I'll do one for the private sector and I'll do one for the (laughs) nonprofit. So on the corporate side, I will say spend the time to really understand your nonprofit partners. Understand not just what they do, but how they're doing it. Uh, The partnerships that have worked out the best for us are uh, some of the partners that have that really get our work and um i'm seeing this more and more as i'm seeing a lot of corporations hire people that have come out of nonprofits or from you know the government side that can help articulate you know what we're doing in sustainability the piece for the nonprofit side would kind of be what i touched on earlier is really define those business goals right so i think the humanity piece is wonderful we work with a lot of great people But if you have a very strong business strategy, you can, the partnership can weather much more. You know, if the entire C-suite gets replaced or leaves or anything, as long as you can keep putting forth that proven strategy, then I think you're solid.
0: So, Howard, earlier in the beginning, you you talked about, I asked about the Eureka for this idea. And you said, you know, I was supposed to write my obituary and it it was going to say, like, you sold a lot of products. Now, we don't want you to die, you know, from for oh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And with all the vitamins you have in you, you'll probably last forever. So that's a good thing. But what do you wish that they would say in your obituary now? He tried.
2: I mean, I think I would say that, you know, that, um, that whatever I put out, I have gotten back tenfold. I would invite other people to join us because whatever you give, it's, it's, it's such a gift to be able to kind of do this work and to be welcomed into these homes with people who have very little, but who just are so happy that somebody cares. And I think for human beings, for us to be able to care for each other, you know, that to me is if, if, you know, I was, I was at a small village in Tio Grande in uh, Peru and uh, Maria, we listened to her for the whole time. At the end, I said, do you have anything to ask us? And she said, yes, you know, how long did it take you to get here? And I thought about it. I thought, well, it was about 10 hours on the plane and then two hours on the truck and then a half hour walking up to the village. And I said, wow, about 12 hours. And, and she stopped and she said, wow, you must really love us. And uh, that to me is like, that's okay. I'll, I'm going good for another 10 years. It's like, I just, you know, yeah, it's, these people are so worth it and it's such a gift. To be able to be in community with
0: them. And Chris, any last words?
1: For the you know, to answer the same question, I won't be as humble as Howard, but it, <laughs> it said, you know, he saved a lot of babies while he was alive. That that would be great.
0: <laughs> okay, that that's super. So I, I want to thank both of you. This was just a, a wonderful conversation. Um, Howard Schiffer and Chris Hortonella, um, and vitamin Angels. Uh, there's a lot to learn here for the bigger not-for-profits for for smaller uh for those of you who want to sell more or do more than just sell stuff which i love that and that you're having great impact and i also just want to remind our listeners this is not just in the developing world this is also here in our united states of america and in canada and in the uk and and such so that um, the fact that the that you've also taken a very strong business approach, and I think again, hey Chris, next time you get your review, ask him for a raise because you're doing a great job. Um, I, I think that it's, it's a wonderful organization. I've learned a lot more about it, and you are answering. I always end with the question, um, you know, what is your purpose? But I have now evolved that we're going to our third season. And so I will ask our listeners this question. What is the power of your purpose? Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Chris. And keep up the wonderful, wonderful work.
1: Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Carol. Thank you.